Let me just uh, read with us a scripture that uh, has been a great blessing to me over the years and certainly does relate to what we are about this, uh, this evening. This is the third epistle of John. The third epistle of John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as you are so prosperous. Let me read it again. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as you are so prosperous. This is a great uh, conference, and I'm uh, very privileged to have the opportunity of being able to address the subject church and missions. I must uh, confess right from the onset that I walk alongside uh, the medical workers, uh, doctors and nurses, all those that uh, are involved with the health and medicine, uh, because I'm not in that category. Um, but I've been asked to share on this great uh, subject. But just before I, I address it, uh, my brother has da mentioned that I do some, some writings. And one of the books I've authored uh, some three years ago is Mobilizing and Managing Resources, Foundations, Principles, and Strategies. Mobilizing and Managing Resources, Foundations, principles, and strategies. And this book is available at International uh, Leadership University. And a second one that I don't have a copy uh, here with me is successful fundraising. Successful fundraising. And I mentioned those two books because they are uh, very uh, close um, as far as my passion is concerned. And so, please would you um, avail yourselves to uh, those copies to be able to read more of what I'm about. The one who has gone before me, and maybe this is the reason that I don't have many uh, delegates, um, in, a sp in a sense he spoke what I was going to speak about. <laughs> uh, so, those who listen to him, uh, we do well uh, to go to another one um, because, in a sense, he addressed a lot of the stuff that I would share. Unlike him, I we only spend that minute. Unlike him, I only spend that minute. And I'll allow the rest of the time for us to interact. This is uh, um, a group work, and I'm only but here as a facilitator of a process that uh, we interact together on this subject matter, as I believe um, that you have something to offer, not just asking a question, but also in making a contribution from where you come from, as well as um, uh, sharing with us your insights on the subject matter. I'd like to share um, mainly uh, two to three areas my topic is about the church and missions, so it will be important for us to reflect uh, on what the church is, and just a brief uh, reflection. 
Um, and then we will look at the, uh, the mission of that church that we seek to understand and the role of the church in mission. Um, I would also like just briefly, very briefly, to mention something about uh, mission and health because this is indeed a conference uh, that uh, is focusing on that. And then there's something I would like to share with you um, from a book that I, I helped to edit, that is the, How Healthy Is Your Church? How Healthy Is Your Church? And that's a research that was undertaken here in Nairobi and has some important principles that perhaps would help us. Uh, if it's not a healthy church, how can it be involved in mission? And no wonder perhaps the mission is not successful as it ought to be because we might have a sick church. And so we look at those indicators of a healthy church that contributes into effectiveness of um, of mission. And finally, we will close with some uh, challenges. But firstly, um, it is important for us to, uh, to be able to reflect on that church that uh, we are talking about. And is, the, is it the case that the church has a mission? Or is it more correct to state that the church is defined by mission? Does the church have a mission? Or is the church defined by mission? Some very strong statements have been made regarding the link of the church to mission. Famously, Emil Brunner stated that the church exists by mission just as fire exists by money. Let me repeat, the church exists by mission just as fire exists by burning. Jürgen Mottmann states that the church can only really be understood in the context of mission. You don't really understand the church until you see it in the context of mission. Hendrik Prama states that the deepest reason for the existence of the church is mission. The greatest reason and the purpose for which the church does exist is mission. Two others, um, both known to me, uh, that is uh, Engel, James Engel, who is a retired professor of Wheaton College from where I got my, my degree, and William Dines, who is a uh, professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, the school that I went to, have both written a book, the ch uh, Changing the Mind of Missions. Changing the Mind of Missions. And in it, they look at two contrasting models of the church. Two contrasting uh, models of the church. And the first one they look at is the church as an institution. The church as an organization. And they isolate five areas that are worth looking into. And the first one is, is the fact that the church is made of individuals. 
and how easy it is for that institution to take the personality of those individuals, or even as it is in the Western world, the church to be so individualized. And we have certain contexts, like in, in the states where I have been, where spirituality or Christian uh, life is personal. And so you dare not bother me with that which is your person, that which is just a personal conviction. And Christianity, therefore, is removed from the public life because it's an individual matter. And in that context, what is mission? How can you share or how can you be involved in mission when that's how the church is defined? Uh, secondly, the institution or church takes the form of programs and projects. I've just discussed with a friend of mine from uh, Ghana who is involved with the projects and programs. And the church will be involved with all of that. And sometimes the church, therefore, is known by projects and programs. And thirdly, the church will be involved with just numbers. And there is a preoccupation with the numbers. We have a 10,000 church. We have a 20,000 church. We have a 5,000 church. And so those numbers is what define that church. As that is not enough, you will have that huge congregation that is comprised of people who just sit back. They come on a Sunday and they just sit back and go back home only to return the following Sunday. And that's all, that's all there is. And it's only a very, very small number, 5% or 10% that make up the church in terms of activities and programs and whatever the church is doing, including that which we may refer to as the mission of the church. They are so passive. And they finally, there is an institution or an organization that will be perpetuating who they are and they will not, their traditions and history, and you will not want to change. There is resistance to change. That's one view. If you look at the churches as we have, and more so in the Western world, and it's catching up with us here, you will see that as what the church is. The second view that Engor and uh, Dan is, um, describe as the model of the church is what is referred to as a church, as an organism, as an organ, and a living temple. In the body of Christ, the church is alive and well. And no doubt, as we've been told by the uh, previous speaker, in the south, the church is growing and is dynamic and is alive and is well, as opposed to the church in the west where perhaps you will not experience that dynamism and also the growth. And the church is also characterized with the gifts, with the talents, with the, with, with, with the manifestation of God's work in that church. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in operation in that church. It's also a community of, 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 uh, of believers that is characterized by mutual love as well as service. And you'll be able to see in that kind of a church um, a leadership that is committed to serving the people, servant leadership. And there's also uh, believers who see themselves as a community um, of those who believe. And in a sense, you see this all outward focus. And they will want to be sharing about their faith with the Lord Jesus Christ and being able to attract their neighbors. And so I ask, as you look at your church, the church that you come from,
How would you define it? An institution, an organism. That is an important distinction as we think or we try to understand uh, who the church is. I move to the, uh, to the second aspect and I look at um, what is really the, the mission or the function um, of that church that we have sought to describe. The, the same guys have looked at uh, four uh, functions that, uh, in my view, are very important in thinking about uh, uh, the mission of the church. And the first is to proclaim the gospel throughout the world and make disciples of all kinds of people. This is what we refer to as a great uh, commission. Taking the whole gospel to the whole world uh, through uh, holistic means. The mission of the church in reality is a continuation of Christ's other ministry. Jesus viewed that redeeming man's source was his whole purpose for coming to the earth. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. And in turn, he imparted this same objective to his disciples. When he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The, the Apostle Paul later confirmed the ministry of bringing people to God that has impacted to all those who have been brought to him. And that is the church when he wrote, God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. It is the purpose of every believer, not only pastors and clergymen, to bring source uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. I needed to say at this point that the work of the church is to go. There are three great uh, commands, great seas, the great come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you the rest. And the church, in a sense, is coming together in response to that call. And the great uh, command is the, is, is the command of love. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. By this so many you know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. And so as a community that has come together in response to the great uh, come, a great invitation, and then we love each other, it does appear like we do not want to go. Like the three uh, disciples of the Lord, we have put up permanent tents. And so we have signs for people to come to us instead of knowing that we have to go. Instead of doing the going, we're just inviting people to come. And your guess is as good as mine. That not everybody will come. Yes, there are those signs for them to come, but they will not come. And so it is important for us to realize that the mission of the church is to go, not to ask people to come to where we are. The second one is to serve as a community of worship, a community of worship and fellowship. And in so doing, manifest the presence and the love of Jesus Christ. As a community of believers, the church 
ought to be modeling God's kingdom here on earth in terms of love and unity. God originally made man for his own pleasure, to enjoy his fellowship and worship. Thus, a part of the Lord's purpose of the church, besides bringing people to God, is to gather his people together and facilitate a corporate environment of worship and to express our love toward him and one another. And Jesus described these as the, as the two highest ideals of Christianity. That is loving God with all our hearts and with all our being and a love for the neighbor. And so we come together to worship and to have fellowship with each other. That is an important uh, part of what the church does exist for. And the third one is uh, to mature believers and to prepare them to perform the works of ministry. And so the church is about being empowered. And who does that except God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit, empowering and equipping the church for the going, for the mission that, the, that, uh, that God has for the church, and equipping the church. And Ephesians 4, 11, verse, um, verse, uh, verse 11 to 12, talks about the gifts that God has given to the church in order to mature. The, the church and the body of Christ. Another important mission of the church by means of its ministers is to strengthen the body of believers and to equip them for the work of the ministry. The church should be an, an atmosphere of spiritual edification where God's word is taught, where believers are grounded, they are discipled, discipled and led toward maturity. This not only serves to anchor their faith in Christ, but they are prepared for service. And according to God's plan, each member of the body of Christ is called to serve in some aspect of ministry, especially as it pertains to bringing source to the kingdom of God. I've always stood as a pastor to challenge the members of the congregation who think that their job is just to come and warm the pews. And, and yet God wants them to be involved in extending his kingdom wherever it is that they are, and they only come together to be equipped so that they can do the job at hand. Look at the role of the parachurch organizations and church-related bodies. They are not there for replacing the church. They are an extension of the church. But you know, as well as I do, how these church-related bodies and parachurch bodies are working in competition with the church. Instead of helping to equip, instead of being an extension, instead of helping in the areas that the church may not be strong, they are not only duplicating, but sometimes appear to be competing. And the fourth uh, function is representing the interests of the kingdom of God in the world and to influence our society with the ideals of the Lord. And this is what the church in the marketplace is about. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its favor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled at a foot by men. You are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus used the salt and light as metaphors of the influential characteristics of the church in the world. 
Historically, salt has always been a valuable commodity used, among other things, as antiseptic to withdraw infection. And the light, of course, dispels darkness and is an essential element of life. Christ has intended for his church to let its light shine to the world, to love, to care, and to meet the needs of humanity while upholding the redemptive truths and righteousness of Jesus Christ. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. Jesus told his, his church, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father that is in heaven. And so the ministry of compassion in the marketplace, as well as the Christian witness through professionals, I believe that today we did a research. I've worked for Africa Center for Mission, uh, finished the task. And we did a, a research on where the church is in this country and whether the church has been saturated. And the statistics and the findings that came out um, were very profound and very uh, disheartening to say the least. We discovered that on average, only 4% across the, this country attend church on any given Sunday. 4% out of the population uh, of 40 million. In the countryside, only 4%. Can you imagine when we are saying that we are doing uh, good work, when we have just surrounded ourselves with our churches, our denominations, and doing our own thing, when the whole lot are remaining untouched out there, in the city of Nairobi, only 16% out of 4 million people only have a million that go to church. 3.5 million don't go to church. How will they ever go to church? And what church will they go to? Unless the church is alive and well in knowing that there are those that are still without hope and without, without the gospel. And that's why it's so important that Christians that are in the marketplace working out there who are in touch with these masses of our people, that through their professionalism, through their skills, their, 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 their background and training, they will be able to touch men and women with the gospel of Christ. That's very important, my dear friends. Since this entire conference is really about mission and, and health care, it's, it's important when we consider the interaction between mission and individual health. It is interesting to note that the modern medical mission is almost a complete antithesis of the biblical pattern. The first thing to make clear is that the Bible clearly teaches that the infirmities of the unsaved human condition are caused by the fall and that they will not be rectified until the Lord returns. With all the good work that the medical world is doing and, is, and, and with all the breakthroughs there is in science and in medicine, it's good for us to realize that infirmities of the unsaved condition of the human race will never be offered until Jesus Christ returns. That's a reality that we need to be home with. And so healing is therefore a ministry of the church. And medicine is God's instrument and God's will um, in ministering to that, uh, to that health. We have, the church has come out with the miracles of healing. 
And in this church, in this, uh, in this country, we have the electronic media, and even the, uh, the, uh, the media, in a sense, is, uh, is bringing a reality that the church is very uncomfortable about. It's only this week that um, the, the headline was about the evangelical uh, a deceit uh, in terms of, of miracles. Uh, how will you be saying if you are sick, just uh, put into an M-Pesa, that's, uh, that's what we use to send money. If you put 310 shillings into an M-Pesa, whatever your sickness is, you are going to get healed. Um, and then we see it all around. And for me, I wonder if this is not just an abuse of what healing is about, and especially what the Bible has to say about, about healing. And, and it's us as a church to rise up and begin to bring the, the proper perspective and remove this uh, false doctrine that has characterized the commercialization of the gospel. But having said all of that, we need to realize that Paul, as he writes in his epistle, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I uh, strong. We see therefore that for the believer, the goal is not so much to achieve the perfect health uh, physically, but also to ensure that there is need to make sure that spiritually, we have the right balance. Let me just uh, move straight into what I referred to earlier. As a way of measuring the health of the church. The church can't be healthy and carry out the work of mission and be involved with uh, doing uh, missions if the church is sick. And we did... Um, we did a research on the health of the church here in the city of Nairobi, and the question was, how healthy is your church? And we used 10 indicators that I would like to uh, place before you because they all indicate a healthy church. And the absence of each one of these areas, if you like it, um, they define a sick church that cannot be able to carry out the mission of the church. Number one, does the church has an internal perspective? We've gotten to a point where the church is a private club and we are taking care of ourselves and it's as if we are here forever with little regard to the fact that we are only here temporary. And the eternal perspective is important to tell whether this church is realizing that they have a core formation. If they don't have an internal perspective, the issue of mission is really not a priority. And the second one is that the church is making a difference in the world, transforming the society. If the church is not making that impact, how will she ever be involved in the mission that is uh, given to her? And thirdly, we consider the issue of leadership. Is the leadership visionary? Is it a leadership that is called to serve? Or is it a leadership that is taking advantage of the congregation, that is taking advantage of that institution, 
for their own greed and, and self-centeredness. So the kind of leadership that the church has has a lot to say about the mission that the church is entrusted with. And next, it must be a church that inspires ownership and commitment, an important indicator of a healthy church. Do the members feel that this is our church? Are they committed? And what is it are they committed to that church as an institution or as a church that has been called to carry out the work of, of mission? Many of the churches will be characterized with the individual who is a bishop, who is a bishop, who is the owner. And so he said the church of so and so. And so the individuals don't feel that they have a part in that church. They are in it because of so and so. And next, does that church has, does it have faithful stewardship? Stewardship is an important ingredient for a healthy church that you carry out the work of mission. And the lack of it uh, tells um, or gives us an indication of a church that is not alive to mission. It's a praying and worshiping community. Another important ingredient or indicator. It's a community of love and care. And you can be sure that love and care will, will be a sweet fragrance that the neighborhood and the community where the church is placed will be attracted to it. And the last three is a church that is growing and is dynamic. Of course, if it's growing and dynamic, the numbers tell the story. The impact in the community tell the story. But if there's a church that is just static, doesn't grow, and at worst is going down, how can it ever be involved in a mission? And second from the last, has a social responsibility in the community. The corporate world is talking about the corporate social responsibility. And yet the church, at the doorsteps, you'll be having people that are needy, uh, people that are deprived, people that are suffering, uh, that require alleviation of poverty, but the church will not be doing uh, much about it. So such a church will therefore not be alive and well to mission. And finally, is a church whose God's word is central in every way, the centrality of God's word. In closing, because I want us to interact around the subject matter, let me place before us these three areas that we really need to look at. They are not only challenges, but the way, the way forward as we think about uh, the church and mission. The need to maintain a balance between social responsibility, uh, physical, economic, social outreach as a church, and that which is spiritual, that which is of eternal value. There must be a way in which we maintain that balance. We have in this country those that we call the established churches that have established programs and projects in reaching out to the community. But when you look at the health of that church from a spiritual perspective, a lot remains to be desired. And then on the other hand, we have the evangelical world with the emphasis on the proclamation and the saving of souls, but have nothing to do with that physical and, 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 and social responsibility in the community. A balance must be maintained. And secondly, we must have a transformational perspective on all, including those who are working, the community that we are seeking to serve, the organization itself, 
we cannot afford to just be traditional and historical and static. We must be alive and well. There must be renewal. There must be transformation. Um, that is uh, very important. And finally, we must ensure relevance and appropriateness of the interventions that we make in our variety of contexts, and whether in medicine, uh, whether in education, in all areas, there is need to ensure that there is relevance and appropriateness. As I said, I would like us to interact around this subject matter, and therefore I end my presentation. Thank you, friends.